Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker. I'm a little less sad this podcast, <laughs> but I'm joined by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Life's good here. Yeah, well, you know, you signed a free agent. Your team <laughs> signed a free agent. Ours, is, uh, My team is like hemorrhaging superstars, yeah. so that's one thing. Um, before we dive into episode 41, where we'll talk about free agency, winners uh, and losers, and some possible trade destinations for Russell Westbrook. Remember to follow us on Twitter at uh, NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Couch GM Podcast. Podcast all the way spelled out. If you haven't already, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and review, and we greatly, greatly appreciate that. I think we're sitting at five stars now hey. on Apple, Podca- Apple Podcasts. I think like two of those are probably from me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Matt, why don't you recap uh, episode 40 for us so people can get caught up if they haven't listened. So we hit the Kawhi deal from all angles. Clippers, Thunder, Raptors, Lakers, Thunder in there because of the Paul George surprise, um, which we also talked about and just kept inserting the knife a little bit deeper on, on Ryan's heart. Um, but he's getting over it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then what the, these two huge moves mean for the rest of the league, what this is now apparently shake, shaping up to be in the West, um, and then how that helps out the Eastern Conference, that Kawhi, Kawhi left. So that's, that was the basis of episode 40. Yeah, so let's uh, get right into our free agency winners because uh, – there are a lot of, like, half the league is with I a know. new team now. It's crazy. I mean, $4 billion thrown around. We we kind of had that summer 2016 again. I don't think the league was quite as bad this time about throwing out massive deals to average players. But even in this free agency, we saw those 2016 contracts, some of them coming back to bite teams still. Um, amazing how that happens. You give bad <laughs> deals to average players. And it comes back. So a couple things we wanted to point out was actually those 2016 contracts that had player options on the on the fourth year, because there were quite a few of them that were a big deal yeah. um, this year. Because these teams that are looking to do something with cap space or maybe get some cap relief finally, the players that obviously were overpaid obviously opted in, and it hurt their teams or teams that thought you know they had something going with their their guys they opted out and maybe they stayed but most of them left so i want to hit on those a little bit so big point number one again teams do not (laughs) give player options to average players please just want to run through a quick list of guys who opted in and for how much paying a lot of money to guys who uh, might play significant minutes (laughs) and that's just kind of the problem here so real quick think about this for a moment Goran Dragic, he signed with the Heat, opted into his $19 million. This offseason, Ryan, would Goran Dragic have got $19 million per year? No. no. That's a hard no. Hard no. <laughs> he would have, at best, got the Rubio deal, which yeah. was 17 At best. Maybe a mid-level, like yeah. a nine-point-something a year. Yeah, he would have been probably more in like that George Hill type range, right? Yeah. Three for 29. 19. Miami, that 19's a big, big deal because they're hard-capped. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, like... He was, I mean, almost traded in that Mavericks deal, but like, <clears throat> how are you paying? Goran Dragic, nice player. He's a bench player yeah. at best, though. 
$19 million. At this point in his career and just the injuries he's had, if he's like your fifth starter, you, you feel okay, Yeah, I'd say. But very realistically, like that's just, it's way too much. And you see it really affecting Miami right now, trying to do some things. just doesn't work. Tyler Johnson signed with the Heat, and he's since been shipped to Phoenix in exchange for that awful Ryan Anderson contract um, <laughs> also. but So Tyler Johnson, again, opting in, $19 million. I'm, Phoenix, maybe it's not as big of a deal that he's at that much money. But again, Phoenix, like you're trying to grow a team here and you're paying a guy who you really don't want to play $19 million. What are you doing? Well, that's the thing. You mentioned it on last podcast. I think with the Knicks, like don't sign guys to big deals. Take yeah. like ha- open your cap space. Take on bad contracts for assets. And that's the idea. Do it. And like you can't do this if you have Tyler Johnson taking up what a fifth of your cap room yeah. right now? Like, fifth. yeah, <laughs> let that sink in. Yeah, you're paying Rubio 17 and Tyler Johnson 19 next year. Like, that's incredible. Like, how much you're paying for average at best point guard play to win 17 games I in know. a year? I know. So it's just like again, that was signed by Miami, but you didn't. I mean, you had to deal with Ryan Anderson then on the other side. So it's like Miami really made well out of it either. Right. You know, getting off of it. All right, another guy. Maybe this guy's actually useful as like a fifth starter but Kent Bazemore again 19 million dollars when he signed with Atlanta did you think that was a good idea I mean for him yeah I mean yeah I like I like Kent Bazemore as a player nice perimeter defender it can shoot the ball a little bit but like 19 million dollars I would rather have like 13 to 15 maybe 12 if you can like convince him to I bet you could yeah you know if if Marcus Morris is getting something like 10 Mo Harkless, he was at like 11. I know he didn't sign this phrase, but he's like at 11-ish. Oh, you feel much, much better about that. And Atlanta just got off of him this offseason. Okay, you got to take back Evan Turner for only like 17. <laughs> but like, well, again, Atlanta, you're kind of that same idea like these last couple years. The same summer you lost Al Horford, you did this Kent Bazemore deal. It's like you, you had to know like you weren't going to be good, right? Yeah. If you're losing Al Horford. Right. So why are you putting this much money into what was even clearly then an average, like a good role player, a, a good last starter? Again, and came back to get him. And you, yeah, you got him sent off to Portland. And Portland like is going to think of him as a nice player, maybe, again, a fifth starter there. But I don't, I don't know. It's, again, Atlanta. Same thing with the Knicks. Acquire assets. They've done a good job the last couple years, but could have been better. Right. It's kind of where we're at. These like marginal deals. You don't, even though you have the money, you don't have to spend the money. You only have to spend 90% of the cap. Like that's the only rule, like for how much you have to spend. Right. It's like, just keep cap open. Yeah. Like it's not, this isn't rocket science. Yeah. Just in it again, if Kent Bazemore was at 12, like we were saying, okay, you could have taken on a $7 million player and you know, got a second, a couple seconds, maybe even a late first, like a lottery top 20 protected first. Like, again, you think this could help build your team or flip them later for more. Marvin will so two here for the Hornets, uh, talking about where they've just been stuck. <laughs> Marvin Williams at 15, Michael Kidd Gilchrist at 13. Again, $28 million for guys who, I mean, Marvin Williams can still kind of play. Yeah. But, I mean, Kidd Gilchrist. It, um, I don't think that dude can really play. What is he? What Kid, Kid Gilchrist was what formerly like top, he top five pick, top five, I think. Yeah. So coming out, <sighs> of, I think he was like number two. 
Yeah, like, I think he was two behind Anthony Davis, right? So it's just like, I know you had bet on the, the draft pick, but again, like, when you see where the NBA is going, you're trying to project out, and you have a guy here who was drafted as a shooting guard. He's now a power forward because he can't shoot at all. <laughs> you haven't been able to fix the jump shot. Like, again, what? why commit so much money? Why commit so much money to, to these guys when you didn't have to? Again, same point made last week. Who are you bidding against? Who were you bidding against then that like would have been so catastrophic? Like, yeah, it would have hurt to have a number two pick, like leave or be disgruntled. But if he's not good, it's not good. I mean, yeah, I, like for $13 million, yeah, I don't want Michael Kidd Gilchrist on my team. Like, that's a hard no I, I for me. I just don't want him on my team. But yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, if it's between $13 million and letting him walk, like, you can get Marcus Morris for $13 million, who's like a competent power forward who can shoot the ball. Shot it at like, what, 40% this year? Yeah. So it's like, man, just imagine you didn't have to shortchange Kimba Walker by $20, $30 million if you didn't have $28 million <laughs> right here. It's tied crazy. up in, in average, at best, NBA players. End of bench, guys. So. You know, just, just really think about like how the repercussions of these things pop up. Marcus saw opted into twenty five million. I, I get why he actually ended up in a good place in Toronto, but from the Memphis perspective, like it, I think they made that deal still kind of in denial of of where they were trending towards, and you ended up making okay out of it. But let's not act like they got a great haul for Marcus all. Yeah, if you would have done a better deal. Or figure this out early, and I know we've harped on this for several podcasts in the past. Again, just so much better place as a franchise they could have been right now. Mark Saul helped them for sure, like develop like Triple J last year, but still, like you could have been in such a better place at an earlier point in time. You lucked out, honestly, getting Jaron Jackson Jr. and then somehow getting the number two pick, yeah, and John Morant, but. Just because you got lucky doesn't mean you did the right thing. <laughs> right, right. Like, that pick was supposed to be, what, like, eight or nine yeah, or something eight, like that? Yeah. And then it hops up to the two, so, like, it worked out, but they could be in cap purgatory right now yeah, if it, it wasn't for that. Exactly. And then the last couple, like, Hassan Whiteside, this is one of the most massive ones, at $27 million, um, with the Heat. Again, just because he's kind of a star at the time doesn't mean you had to give him that much money. It, it's like the Al Horford deal that he just got the Nick Vucevic deal that he just got. It's really like the Vucevic deal. It's like, okay, you saw like a nice player on a good team-friendly deal before that. Doesn't mean you got to double his his income. Like, $27 million. 25, okay, so the last two people we've talked about, Hassan Whiteside, Marcus Hall, $25 million and $27 million for yeah. each of those guys. You've made this point multiple times. Who in the world is paying Hassan Whiteside 30 million? Okay, let's say someone's going to match you or go above you. Who's paying him $30 million? Exactly. If you can find a team that's going to pay Hassan Whiteside $30 million, it's the New York Knicks. Like, that's who it is. Like, just say, okay, nice. See you go, later. Go ahead. And I know at the time you didn't want to lose him, but, again, who who are you bidding against? And then also, like, would it have been that catastrophic? Because Miami hasn't been good since LeBron left. Right. Like, let's just straight up face it. Like, they've been 40, 45 wins since then. Would it really have been that bad to let him go? I know you were just pushing for the playoffs. Did Hassan Whiteside really help you get to that 7-8 spot? No. no okay, so we've talked about this with the Thunder last podcast. Being in the middle of the NBA is the worst spot to be in. That's yeah. where the Heat have consistently been. It's like, just 
slide up into earlier lottery and get better players, thus yeah. making your rebuild that much quicker. I know. And sign and do something. Do something besides just paying that much money. And it just wasn't a creative move. I'd say the only one that's kind of actually worked out has been like Dwight Powell at $10 million opting in. That's fine. Because his extension, what it, that he's he opted in and he signed an extension for three for 33. So it's like, all right, so yes, that's actually good market value. So it's like, all right, of all those deals, one yeah. like was was actually okay for the team to be like, you know what? We're glad he opted in. Right. Like that's, but that's kind of the point. Like when you give average players player options, this is what happens. Yeah. Like, the team gets stuck at the back end of it. So can we quit, quit doing that? Yeah. Obviously some teams like learned from it this off season, but some didn't like the Lakers given player options to Rondo, McGee, it's just like, why? You know, the Knicks doing the same thing, given, you know, player options, it's like, why? So it's just one of those, like, gotta realize, like, player options, this isn't the next big point, are meant for elite or elite-ish players. Like, that's yeah. who should be getting player options. And as a team, you might not want to give it, but, like, the players, like, you could at least live with it if, if they do demand it and you give it to them. So the other guys you can't, because that's what kills you, honestly. Like, you see it this summer with teams making trades, like, that want to do more than they realistically can, but they can't get anyone to take these contracts. At yeah. least not for half-decent value. Like, Whiteside, I, like, you got Portland to take him, and Portland, they needed a, a center, and I, it seems like they were just kind of over Myers Leonard. Okay. Like, you kind of lucked into that, honestly. But, like, that stuff doesn't happen. All these other guys, like, for the most part, it just doesn't happen. Like, you can just get someone to take them. Right. Like, no one's taking Kid Gilchrist. Right. Gasol, at least he had, like, a pedigree about him that could help Toronto. But Toronto knows he's not worth $25 million. Right. They know that. Got him that championship, though. Helped get him yeah. that championship, so. In that one case, again, he's well overpaid. Right. But at least it at least felt worth it because you got there. But again, we've talked about it. if they got bounced in that second round by Philly, been like, man, now we got to pay Marcus Hall twenty five million next year. That's a much worse feeling. Yeah, that's a hard. I mean, like it, you're right. If they lose, that's a harder pill to swallow. It's gonna be a hard pill to swallow this year because, like, if they decide to go in rebuild mode after Kawhi has left, like no one's really realistically taking on that contract until February yeah. when you only have to pay Marcus Hall for three months essentially. I know, and so that's kind of where. I'm at with with him and a lot of these guys. Like you can't get off of them until the trade deadline, probably. So all right. So last big point on player options. So think of these guys who had player options that opted out, and it was the smart move because they either got that money and were able to extend it out, or they obviously took the much bigger pay jump. Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Kawhi Leonard, Harrison Barnes is he's not elite, but he's elite-ish. Guys, <laughs> kind of. Oh, Horford. Jonas Valanciunas, again, elite-ish for, for a center position. Kyrie opted out of 21 million. Jimmy opted out of 20. Chris Milton opted out of 13. Kawhi, 21. Harrison Barnes, 25. Al Horford, 30. Valanciunas, 17 and a half. And then Kyrie's now going to be getting about 35 million a year. Jimmy, 35 million a year. Chris Middleton, 35. Kawhi, Apparently, he's on a three-year deal now, which Shams just dropped today. It's not a four for 142 anymore. It's a three for 103. It's a two plus is, one, which yeah. is weird. So, eh, kind of strange, um, but okay. 
Um, very kawaii thing to do. <laughs> uh, Harrison Barnes, it's not 25 million per year, but a four for 85. He kind of just bet like next off season, he wouldn't get a three for 60, which he wouldn't have. Right. So it's smart bet to opt out, but with the intention of getting a long-term deal, same thing with Valanchunas probably wouldn't have got 28 million next off season for two years. So three for 45 now smart. And we're going to hit on this Al Horford contract. I can't get over this, Ryan. It's uh, this four for 109 deal. Like it's just incredible. It's going to be uh, an albatross contract. I think by the end of it, it's going to be like Embiid, Ben Simmons and Al Horford. And it's like, what is, what is Al Horford still doing on this team? And why is he getting paid? How much again? I would say like by that time you would have extended probably Embiid again. Yeah. Um, you would have to Simmons, but like you're paying this guy. I, there's some, uh, non guarantee on that last year, but it's just like, what, what makes you think like paying him? And there's been some like speculation. This is a descending contract, but nothing official that I've seen yet. So it's like, if this is an ascending contract that last year, he's going to be making $29 million. It's a lot of money to be paying Al even, Horford at age 36. Even if the cap goes up, it's going to be a bad deal. Like, yeah. we, like getting Al Horford now might make sense for you. But by the end of this contract, it's just going to be such a weird thing to like have like Al Horford and this like young core and it's got to be like how can we get Al out of here who's going to take Al on and no one the same thing we're getting into on a slightly different level with Whiteside now I again Al Horford better player than Whiteside obviously but at age 36 35 depending on when he would potentially be getting moved again like is that not that it's going to be fairly comparable to Whiteside now. Like, honestly, like, but it's just of age. But still, whatever, like, he's limited on the basketball court. Or Gasol, like, yeah, he might be able to come in and give you some pedigree, some some just championship help. But you're still going to be like, man, we're paying this guy way, way too much. And hopefully it works out. Those are just deals. Like, they come back and they get you. That's really the one awful one out of all these. Maybe the Middleton one also... I'm fine with paying Milton because really that's a signaling to like Giannis like tank will take care of our guys mm-hmm. for the most part. Granted, yeah. they didn't take care of one of their guys, but like you got to pick and choose yeah. sometimes. And um, yeah, but you're right. This Al Horford one is just going to be painful to watch at the end of this. Like if Philadelphia falls out of contention for whatever reason, if Embiid says like I want out, if Ben Simmons for whatever reason they decide to trade him, this Al Horford thing is gonna haunt them for a long time bad. it is gonna feel real bad they and also like it's just like the style of play too. yeah like you better hope that this too big thing works out uh in terms of either counteracting what the rest of the nba is doing or the rest of nba follows suit and it's just kind of how people play spoiler but, alert it's not <laughs> i mean I've seen at least the- we could kind of see the three-point thing coming a little bit more like more and more people like started taking them over the years and then just went into like hyperdrive right. the last couple, but like this kind of drastic like turn back the clock like to me it's a it's more of a counteracting what the rest of the league is doing, but can you actually defend the three still with with this lineup? 
I don't know. Like the pick and roll is gonna be an interesting thing for them to guard because, yeah. like, uh, let's see, eighty-two games in, is Al Horford gonna be able to guard the pick? Get out to the popper or get yeah. out to the guard to cover yeah. that, and that's just gonna be. And where's Embiid in all this? Like, is yeah. he guarding on, someone in the corner? Like, what's on what's the bench he doing? or hurt? <laughs> so again, a lot of these deals, like we see player options come back to to bite teams with average or below average players, and then. You know, players taking advantage of a, of a good situation. Like, I get that. But I think this all just goes to the point of, like, only certain guys should be getting player options. Absolutely. And most teams seem to learn that this offseason, but not all. So one team that they haven't really been active in free agency the way they probably wanted to be was Houston. So obviously we've heard the rumors. They want Jimmy. They want Kawhi. They, they want Russ now. It's honestly probably smart that maybe they just couldn't get the deal done or that they backed out of it. Because you and I were talking about this off air, Ryan. What is this team <laughs> if they were to do one of those deals? I mean, like, I think you see Jimmy or Kawhi, like, fitting a little bit better. The Russ thing has never made sense to me. Is like, you're going to trot out three-point guards? CP3, Russ, and James Harden? Uh, uh Sure. Like, you might be able to work but probably not like the jimmy thing kind of made sense because he's a wing yeah and he can defend shoot the ball he can take the ball out of harden's hands and another ball handler outside of cp3 but like you would have to give up so much to get these guys like you would have to deplete your roster essentially everyone it's a fire sale exactly and so this team right now again this was a really good team last year like let's not forget that so CP3, Harden, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Clint Capella, and then they were able to re-sign their three main bench pieces this offseason. So Austin Rivers on a two-year deal for vet minimum, so about $4 million. That's a really, really good deal because he should have got more than that. He should have yep. been more in that two for 10, two for 15 range. So getting at two for four is a good deal. Gerald Green, you brought him back for a year on the vet minimum. I think that's a good deal. Because again, I wouldn't. Have, I would have been okay if he would have got three, four, five million, and then Daniel House, which you had this big thing going with him all year <laughs> back and forth. You gave him a three for eleven, so about three million a year. Again, thing that's probably right. Again, would have been okay with him getting three, four, five million. But the fact you're able to bring all those guys back, those are all wing guys. If you like to play a little smaller, you know they can all play the one, two, three. So I really like that idea that you've brought these guys back. Now you still need like a backup big. I would say whether that's somehow bringing back Nene or there's still a lot of bigs available like at the you know bottom of the barrel whether that's you can go bring in like a Trey Lyles for like near minimum just because it's like hey we just need dudes yeah or you can bring back a Fareed or you can go out and I don't know entice a Tyson Chandler oh or, god you know just joke him Noah Ekpeudo like there are guys out there who you could probably go find. That can I heard give you- Dwight Howard's on the market. You think oh, that would work? <laughs> yes. Um, let's do it. But like guys, you can bring in, bring in a couple of them. So yeah. Like you're playing seven minutes. You're playing ten minutes, and then Capella will will play the rest. I mean, like it's a very like you know what your role is as big man. Yeah. Roll to the basket, catch lobs, stand in the dunker spot and rebound and defend the rim yeah so it's like you don't have to score you literally don't have to score you just have to be in the right spots at the right time play defense really so it's like you can go find those guys like those guys are definitely 
out there and cheap. So it's like the fact that they were able to, if they can just smooth over the personality bits, have this really wonderful starting lineup, good wing bench players, and then a couple veteran bigs, like that's still a top, top-ish team in the West. I mean, you would imagine uh, if you could, if CP3 and Harden still are able to work together, like you feel you were right there against Golden State in the last couple years, and they're not there this year, so like you feel like you have a really good chance, maybe even contending with the Clippers yeah. uh, for the, one of the best teams in the West, including the Utah Jazz as well. But, um, I mean, like, the still could make moves at the trade deadline like that's yeah. still like all these guys they've re-signed like are still movable like there's not awful deals like we no. just talked about so that's austin rivers could be an asset for someone exactly and also like just thinking about this so we see all these duos now it's not it's not trios anymore eric gordon's the best third third guy of all these top teams at the west yeah honestly like who do clippers have that's like the third guy i'd say it's honestly like lou williams and Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, I'd still probably say Eric Gordon, although it's close. The The Lakers, who's their third guy? Kuz, right? <laughs> taking, Eric yeah. Gordon, taking Eric Gordon 10 times out of 10. Unless you think, that. like, Danny Green. I'm still but, taking Eric Gordon. I mean, you're still taking Eric Gordon, Gordon either way. Right? So it's like, okay, Utah. Utah would be a close one because it's Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich. That'd be the, really, like, the one that would, like, push me a little bit more. But, like... Eric Gordon's like a really fantastic third guy and he knows what he's doing on this team. Like there's some weird like camaraderie for his, someone like Daryl Moore who likes to change things up and go big fishing all the time. It's like you're bringing back like a team. They actually know how to play together as yeah. long as, as long as they can get along, they can play together and like they know how each other likes to play. I think that to me, like that is worth something. That like, definitely counts, especially early in the season. Yeah. Like if you can jump out to like a three or four game lead on the one seed, yeah. like that could come back later in the season to help you out and secure home court advantage throughout. Yeah. So while these other, all these other teams which we mentioned, they're all new. Even yeah. even Utah, which a lot of people are high on, they brought in Conley and Bogdanovich. Like that they're gonna have to figure out that a little bit and Donovan Mitchell how to play with those guys. He's never had a offensive player like that next to him he's never had very many pieces around him so like figuring like, out how to share the ball and like pick your spots like that's going to be like a learning curve for him and also the lakers also the clippers like there's going to be some adjustments there houston you might be able to yeah like you said jump out to a lead early and not play from behind like you did this last year and still get like what the four seed yeah so houston like maybe all this not getting these big stars Maybe it will actually work out for them if, 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 yeah. if CP3 and Harden can get along. I mean, yeah, you'd have to feel like I would, like if I were Daryl Morey, I would bring these guys in and say like, listen, like this is going to be our real last shot. Yeah. Like Golden State is going to come back healthy. Kevin Durant's going to come back healthy. Like, let's try to take advantage of it. If this year doesn't pan out, fine. I'll trade both of you. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever. But, like, let's really give it our last shot this year. Like, get healthy this offseason, and let's see what we can do. I think that's the smart approach. We'll see if they fall through with it. Um, another winner from this free agency, I think it's kind of like second-tier point guards. Yeah. So, obviously, like, Kimba and Kyrie are, like, tier one. To me, tier one means, like, you can be, like, the first or second guy on a championship team, 
and like you feel really good about that whether you win or not but you feel good about it this next set of guys like if they're like your three four maybe fifth guy you're like yeah i, li I like that at least on a playoff team so to me like that's like d'angelo russell Dragic. we've mentioned rosier pat beverly sadoransky george hill all got decently compensated this offseason uh, I think George Hill honestly could have got more, but he took a discount to stay in Milwaukee at three for 29. I liked the Sadoransky deal at three for 30. I liked Pat Beverly at three for 40. I don't like the contract, but Terry Rozier got paid. It's yeah, for him it was a good contract. Getting three for 58 from Charlotte. Yeah, I mean he wouldn't. Uh, what's that's like a Schroeder deal essentially, right? Yeah, I mean he's getting paid like 19 million a year. Oof, that's up. I mean yeah, that's a. All these guys you've listed off, it's like, we talk about it all the time, guards guards win games. And, like, these guys might help you win a game. They're not going to, yeah. like, be the, like, first tier, like you had mentioned. Yeah. But um, Goran Dragic opting in. Yeah. Like we talked about, $19 million, not getting that elsewhere, but he definitely won the offseason. Yeah. So it's like, for, for these guys, all of them, I would say they're winners. Because either they got well compensated, or they ended up in a good spot. For someone like Sadoransky, it's that you got out of Washington. Like, instantly, winner. <laughs> <laughs> Jabari Parker's a winner, too, because yeah. he got out. <laughs> got out. He went to Atlanta. Um, so it's like some of these guys, it's either you got paid, you got to a, or you got to a good destination, or you got out of a bad spot. So for all those guys, like, I'd say they're winners. Now, whether the team that got them is going to like the contract in a year or two, maybe a different story. But... All those guys, like, you made out well from this free agency. And, yeah, guards, you can get paid. You can talk teams into you real easily because you have the ball in your hands a lot. Yeah. It's like, hey, you want me to run your offense? Because I can do that really yeah. well. So then flip side, though, guys who got paid who don't have the ball in their hands. <laughs> Starting centers, honestly winners in this free agency. I'm a little surprised, though. <laughs> like, some of these deals and some of them we've mentioned um so we won't heart too much on them but some of them like we haven't got to talk too much about so like the horford one like got the four for 109 his last deal with boston even though he opted out of the last year was a four for 113 how did al horford three years later and he's like 33 now get basically the exact same deal he got three years ago when he was much younger yeah that's a great question and like you like i love al horford but like you've seen the decline like if you watch him play like he is not nearly as active he is not as fast which makes sense he does not get as much lift on his jump shots anymore like that's just comes with age but how did he get basically the exact same deal he got three years ago like, i mean that's the, bonkers this was the crazy thing we kept talking about with uh is like who's paying Al Horford twenty five million dollars a year? Like we kept hearing these reports before free agency started. Is like who's paying? Like New Orleans not paying him. Okay, Boston's not paying him. All right, so you start going out, like is, the cap is, is Dallas offering him? Like is Dallas really offering him more than twenty a year next to Porzingis? Like I don't think so because they're paying Porzingis, who's a guy on this list who got a five for one fifty eight. It's like that's a lot of money in a big. You can give another big $25 million? No, probably not. And it's like, okay, well, who's this pseudo-suitor for a Horford that we kept hearing about? Apparently it was Philly. <laughs> I think it was just Philly. Um, so shout out to, again, shout out to Al Horford's agent. But, man, it's just like that big deal. We mentioned the Porzingis one. And, again, 
haven't heard of it, like any team friendly clauses or options in that deal. Porzingis making out great in that then because of his injury concerns. Like I would think like you got to get something in there. I mean, with how many like weird stipulations, we're finally getting like details on Kyrie Irving's contract. Yeah. How he had like eight weird stipulations. Like he's got an average like two point six made three pointers a game or something, Stupid. something crazy, and he's got an average like four and a half attempts from the free loan. Like it's just like crazy stuff. Like go read up on it. Yeah. And like you can't get anything into a dude who's been like horribly injured yeah, multiple basically times. Basically missed like two full years already. Uh, you can't get any like play 60 games and we're gonna like give you a million dollars two million dollars a year yeah whatever that is whatever that stipulation is um yeah it's kind of crazy like, it's just it, like for a team like dallas who's still kind of figuring out i know mark cuban like probably just doesn't care yeah it's like again just having a few million dollars extra here and there that maybe you get to keep in your pocket or use somewhere else which we've just been talking about with all those other player option guys like for a team like Dallas, like that's a useful two, three, four million dollars you could have to use elsewhere. Well, we just talked about it with Houston. It's like Austin Rivers signed for two years for four million dollars. Yeah, you wouldn't want Austin Rivers for two and a half million, like two million dollars a year, or even Daniel House three for eleven. Like, yeah, like you wouldn't want Daniel House at three and a half million dollars a year, and still keep Porzingis at still like thirty million. Yeah, it's just. Just that little margins, like, that matters. And it's the teams that obviously have figured that out are the ones that do the best, like, honestly. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, Vucevic getting four for 100. His last deal with Orlando was four for 53. You doubled this man's money. <laughs> Good for Vucevic. Good for him. But we off air were talking about, like, this is not the Steven Adams deal all over again. Yeah. A guy who's really good on one side of the court. It's all right at the other. And even what he is good at, he's still kind of, at least slightly limited. It's like, why are you giving this guy $100 million? Who are you bidding against? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, you look at the market for these centers and you, I just don't know where they're getting, like if Orlando doesn't offer him $100 million, there's not a market for him to earn yeah. $100 million elsewhere. So like, just don't offer, like you could offer him four for 80 yeah is that not the same thing like you're Who, still who's paying, matching that you're still paying your dude yeah but like you're saving yourself 20 million 20 million dollars yeah over four years like again that's another good piece or two for your bench and for again like a team like orlando <laughs> like you're trying to build something here not just like grasp at any straws you can get like that's how you smartly manage your team but then you see like this huge drop off and it's like these are the type of deals like you should be expecting maybe a little richer than these but like these are the types of deals that's like these are probably good moves so like brooke lopez four for 52. i know he's a touch older but he took that near minimum with milwaukee last year it's like three million dollars just a touch over it now he's going to be compensated like 13 million a year honestly i wouldn't have been surprised if he got a little more than that like 15 or 16. I mean, yeah, you look at the production between Lopez. Like, if you closed your eyes and looked at the numbers between Lopez and Vucevic, would you see that much difference? I'd probably prefer Brooke Lopez. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, he, how he scores. He can stretch the floor so much. And, like, on top of that, he doesn't get credit for it. We've talked about this on the podcast before. But, like, he's able to to rebound. 
he doesn't necessarily get the rebounds, but like his box out rate is incredible. So he's a really good rebounder. Like yeah. that's what you need out of a center. A guy who can shoot from long range and a good rebounder. Yeah. And honestly, Lopez is a better rim protector too than Vucevic. Absolutely. So why is Vucevic getting paid an extra $50 million over these four years compared to Lopez? I have no idea. I mean, he's a little younger, like yeah. sure. But like, again, why couldn't this deal for Vucevic be 70 to 80? And you say like, well, the difference is the age. Like you feel like he still has upside, whereas Lopez kind of is what he is. And right. by fourth year, you know, let, we'll see how he how he's doing. But Lopez, like that type of a game he plays, tends to hold up. Guys who are just really solid technical defenders, like his feet are aren't great on the perimeter, and they're not going to be that much worse though in four years. I mean, they're not, they sag him way back. Yeah. They don't ask him to come out to the perimeter that no. often. And then shooting a jump shot, shooting a jump shot. He doesn't right. jump that much anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be fine in four years on that front anyway. Whereas Vucevic, it's like, are you going to be able to do those post moves in, in four years effectively? Maybe. Maybe yeah. not. Is that jump shot, which he's kind of just developed, still going to be there in four years? Probably not. It's the defense going to be there in four years? Probably not. So it's like, by the end of this deal, like paying Vucevic 25, 27, depending on how they ascend or descend the contract, versus the Lopez's 13, you're going to be feeling way better about Lopez's 13 than Vucevic's 27. Well, that's the thing. Even if you, like, let's say you at the last year of Lopez, like, you want to get off Lopez. That 13 so much easier. is easier, way easier to get off. We're ex like You're seeing this right now with, pick a name out of a hat of the last guys we just talked about. It's almost impossible to move them until their last year. Yeah. So like you're, you have three years of... For Nick, any positive value. Nick yeah. Vucevic. And one year, you, one year you might feel good about paying him that yeah. much. One. So you're looking at 25% of this contract, you feel good. The rest, you feel sick to your stomach that you signed this dude for $100 million. And in last year's draft, you drafted a center at number six. <laughs> Mo Bamba. So it's like, wait, so why'd you draft him in the top six if you're not going to play him for the next four years? Because you just signed a guy to $25 million a year at that same position. Again, why do you <sighs> either draft the way you draft and then sign the players you sign that overlap way too much and literally like timelines just crash into each other or like just pick a direction just yep. pick either a youth movement or you know we actually had some good vets here and we really feel confident about like teams like a playoff team then go that way but like don't draft to interfere with that and it's just like they don't seem to know what philosophy to go down right now it's like they don't want to choose but you have to choose you do you like you can't just like have one foot in each camp and be like, oh, this is the way we're going. No, because that's how you middle in the NBA. Exactly. Ask Charlotte about that. And eventually, you end up leaning towards the bottom. Yeah. Like eventually, but it just takes a while to get there. Then and it just seems like, what do we do for the last five years? Nothing. You did nothing. <laughs> you didn't accomplish um, anything. The last couple of deals, just want to throw out there. Dwayne Dedman got a three for forty-one from Sacramento. Good for him. Yeah. kind of He didn't really have like this type of offensive game when he came out of college at USC. He's developed it, figured it out with Atlanta the last couple of years on a, on a good like two for um, 13 deal. And the year before that, he was making like $3 million with San Antonio. And now he's got paid for three for 41. So good for him on that. For Sacramento, a little rich. But it's probably the exact type of center you want beside Marvin Bagley, a, a stretch five who 
again, like Lopez doesn't need to grab the rebound, but will box out and help out with that. And it's a pretty decent rim protector. So it's like, I like that deal for Deadman. And for the Kings, you picked, like, unlike Orlando, you picked, we're not going to re-sign Willie Cauley-Stein. We're going to, we like Bagley. We think he's, like, ready now. We're going to get a guy next to him who's experienced and can probably teach him a few things and just be a good fit next to him. And then fill out with Buddy Heald, who's a little older, De'Aaron Fox, um, the other Bogdanovich they have. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you might be a playoff team. It, it's like they chose a direction. And really went for it. And went for it. And, like, they know who they need to get. Your yeses and noes as an organization becomes infinitely easier when you know yeah. what you're doing and who you are. Like, yeah, you're going to play De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, and uh, Marvin Bagley a ton. So yeah. just fill out pieces around that. That it fit become, well. becomes so much easier. Exactly. And so that's why, like, maybe it's a little, little rich for Deadmond, but not by much. That's not, a, like, a hugely negative contract. Like, yeah. And Deadmond, I don't think he's hit 30 yet. So it's, like, he's almost there. But it's just one of those, like, good deal. That's a good deal. But then, like, Valanchunas gets a 3 for 45 from Memphis. Deadmond is way more valuable at this point than Valanchunas. It's like, Memphis, yeah, you overpaid. But maybe you're just rebuilding and you're just trying to teach Jaron Jackson Jr. a few things, trying to teach Brandon Clark a few things. He might get in the way a little bit of their development, but it's not an awful deal for Valanciunas. Again, is Vucevic at 4 for 100 versus Valanciunas at 3 for 45? Not, I, I, Vucevic is a clearly better player, but that Valanciunas deal is going to feel probably better by that third year. Well, like, again, I keep bringing up this point. Dwayne Dedman's 29, by the way. Um, ah, yes. That's right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, having contracts around that $15 million range to fill in salary on these trades is so important. Yeah. Like, you want Much wanna, easier move. Much, so easier, much easier. Like, the, the $15 million or the $12 million difference is, like, everything. And that's the, that's the thing is, like, you just got to be smart about these deals and like not paying overpaying a center like the last three contracts we talked about with Lopez, Deadman, Valachunas. Look at these teams in the next three years and they're not going to be crazy hard capped because no. they're not overpaying a position that honestly is kind of fading away in the NBA. Yeah. Like it's a very limited position. Unless you, unless you have like variance in your game, like you can do a few different things where it's just like Lopez and Deadman, like you feel better about their deal than than Valanchunas but at least Valanchunas number isn't awful yeah so you're right like again this is why I like I brought him up like starting centers like I'm just kind of surprised like these top end guys got the money they got without really any team friendliness in really any of them but then there are guys who teams like found on fairly reasonable deals and in, in good spots too so it's like some of it I really liked some of it I really didn't even though I like the player but it's just about how you manage your asset in two, three, four years. Because like we've learned with the Paul George trade, everyone's everyone's a free agent. Everyone's available. Just straight up. Apparently. So and you're going to be, even though you might be thinking like, okay, we have four years of Vucevic. No, you got like two or three. Yeah. And then you'll have to start working on that deal or working with that deal again. Because you're going to have to. Like you just straight up either getting him to extend at a lower number somehow maybe some of these deals haven't been officially announced so maybe there is an option in there or dealing him you're gonna have to deal in this contract in less than four years 
that's just something that teams I think just need to keep in mind. Obviously, they don't have to listen to me, but like the teams who seem to be run the best do worry about that kind of stuff. What's this deal going to look like in three or four years before the contract ends? Yeah. So now let's get on to bigger things. Let's get out of Dwayne Dedman territory <sighs> and and bring it back here to Oklahoma. We're based out of Tulsa, it's right down the road. Favorite Russell Westbrook trade ideas, because this is where we're at. I don't want to talk. This about, is happening, Ryan. I don't want to talk about it, but we're gonna talk about it. So let's just dive into it. Let's get into it. Let Let's just rip out my heart. So, so small small bit first. So one OKC just the other day sent out Jeremy Grant to Denver for a 2020 first round pick. So now they've traded Paul George, traded Jeremy Grant for essentially draft picks. What should the Thunder be looking for, Ryan? In this Russell Westbrook deal, it's going to happen eventually. So if I, if you're just giving me Sam, like I'm Sam Presti yep. now, you have the job. Um, I'm rebuilding. Straight up, just straight. I'm not retooling. I'm not doing any of this garbage because, like I've mentioned a million times on the last three or four podcasts, middle of the NBA is the worst spot to be. You don't want to be. You don't want to mi- barely make the playoffs and be out of the lottery or fringe lottery, and then you're picking. Your picks are worse. Yeah, all that stuff. Just rebuild. Trade Russ. Trade every asset you have outside of SGA. Just take on bad contracts from now on. Which, by the way, the Thunder have created their own bad contracts. So they might not need to take on too many more bad ones. Um, But just be bad for a couple years because, hey, the NBA can turn on its head in two years. Yeah, Kawhi can opt out and Paul George can be gone and all of a sudden there's just availability. I mean, like... Look at the teams who have decided to rebuild. Atlanta, Maverick, the Dallas uh, Mavericks, um, Memphis. They've been able to rebuild fairly quickly because they've been smart about taking on bad contracts, taking on draft assets, and hitting on draft picks. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's what you have to do. And, like, I trust Presti with top-end lottery picks, not, like, fringe lottery picks (laughs) because they've been really bad in the last couple years. But, like acquire a ton of assets which they've started to do and just build from there because like retooling is i don't think the answer here especially with westbrook's contract so it does make me me wonder obviously i'm i'm not a thunder fan like i don't have the emotional investment that that you do but like we saw what san antonio did with Kawhi, where they went out and they are like we're getting derozan purtle in you know just like minimal things after that you know and they even sent out danny green in that deal too like it's because the Spurs don't miss the playoffs. Like that's just a thing of theirs. Like they don't miss the playoffs. Like they they go for it every year, even if it's the eight. They go for it. Parmi's like, all right. So you acquired Gallinari. You still have Russ. You still have Stephen Adams. You like Terrence Ferguson. You have SGA now. Yeah, you're kind of kind of a hole at power forward, but Gallinari can play the four, and you can slide in someone else there at the wing because you have a million wings, Robertson or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know if any of them are good, but you have a million of them. Um, could that team not push for the eight? Yeah. If you decided to trade Russ and get semi-reasonable pieces back, like maybe not a DeRozan piece, but something close-ish like that, a Tim Hardaway-esque guy. Yeah. I mean, like that That was the – that's what I kind of saw on uh, Thunder Twitterverse this – this past week is like it would be awesome to have Russ a victory lap for us it's just to yeah. like every game every home game 41 games like you're just gonna 
cheer your heart out and like celebrate this dude every step of the way um and maybe make the playoffs but then you're getting bounced in the first round yeah for what a 15th pick 14th pick yeah probably you know something like that but at the same time and honestly it'd probably be more like 16 or 17 because the east eight spot could be worse that's true (laughs) probably seventh and eighth um so if you if you did make it in but that's the the thing is it just depends on what the thunder really are looking for because you can go out and look for a russell westbrook trade like real life but if nothing great's out there like sam presti should not just take a deal like just a deal so i i so here's my thing you got so much back for paul george do you really need to get any assets for russell westbrook can you just get salary cap relief salary cap relief like can you go get a goran Dragic from miami just, just eat a bunch of one-year moves, yeah. Or one one-year contracts, and then cl- basically clear your books, yeah. For the next year, I mean that's what I would do. Well, I mean like you've got a historic call. Like we're <laughs> talking like historic call for Paul George. Do you really need any type of assets back for Westbrook? Is there pressure to get assets back for Westbrook? Because you're probably not like realistically with the contract. Like if he was more on a team-friendly deal, then yeah, you might be able to get like a first or second round for a couple first round picks out of it. Yeah. But realistically you might have to attach an asset to get off of Russ. Yeah. Well, and we were talking before we, we hopped on the pod and the next seven drafts. So 2020 through 2026, you have 13 first round draft picks because two of them, they're um, top 20 and top 14 protected, but you might get them. So it's like you could have like something like 11, 12, 13 first round draft picks. It's a pretty easy way to rebuild your roster when you already have that many pretty much locked up. I mean, you have to think, even if you're taking the Sixers method, two of those guys hit for them. Surely. Surely. Like the odds are like you can hit on one of those, maybe yeah. two. And and they're probably going to, for the most part, especially your own pick. So you actually have your own picks. Um, and most of these, like they're going to be pretty good picks, at least for the next couple of years, like top 10 picks, assuming lottery doesn't just groin kick you (laughs) like it it did some of these teams, um, this past year. So it's like, you're right. I, I just, I, I really don't know if I can, like, I'm like 80% on the rebuild side, but like, there's still a pretty decent chunk of me that thinks like Sam Presley doesn't really like to lose. Like, that, is, that is one thing. He's a descendant from the Spurs organization, so it could be a let's gun for let's like if we can't find a deal for us, let's let's go for the eight. One one more year of this, because although the Russell Westbrook contract's bad, straight up it's bad, and it's gonna be bad for a few more years. Convincing a team, you know, you tried it for one more year and probably doesn't work out. And again, at best, it's the eight seed. Convincing a team to only take on Westbrook for what three years? Then yeah, and next off seasons. A little bit more manageable than four years, I think, is what he's got left right now. So maybe that then plays in your favor a little bit when you're looking to trade him because teams don't feel so bad about how long they have to take him on for. But that's assuming he has a pretty good year. He can't he can't play as bad as he did this past year. Yeah, that's true. And I think another thing to consider is like next offseason, let's say a team is really desperate for another superstar. Mm-hmm. There's the free agency class not that good. So you maybe you get that team who's just so hungry for yeah. another guy that you're able to get maybe a little bit more for Russ than you would now. 
again, projecting for like, we just talked through with all those contracts we just ran through, like you're projecting forward a year or two, like what's the market like, like what is this contract gonna seem like to them and to the rest of the league? I think it's a significantly better in terms of tradeability. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> contract like next off season compared to this off season. So that's something Sam Presti is obviously thinking about. And I can, like, I, I still can't just get past the fact that he's okay losing a year. But we're going to talk about some moves that would assume he is okay losing now. Yeah. And, like, essentially rebuilding. Bef- right before we get to back, though, what's going to happen with Gallo and Adams? Who? I mean, Gallo, one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, can like, help a team win now. I think he's like at twenty-one million. Um, again, like you can find another team for him closer to the trade deadline. I think he yeah. plays um, probably for the Thunder until the trade deadline, and then you're able to move him. Adams is going into his last year of his deal. Uh, I think he he may have one more year left, so it might be two years. That's a tougher deal to move because he's again making so much money. Um, now he might be a core guy you can keep around and just like fill cap with because like you said earlier on the podcast you have to fill 90% of your cap if you have a whole bunch of guys who aren't good (laughs) you're gonna have to keep around someone and Adams might be able to be that Nick Collison type for you who's just like a culture setter and I'm fine with that he's at like basically 26 this coming season and then 27 and a half the year after that so, yeah. Um, so he might just be a harder one to move. Yeah. Straight up um, without attaching assets. Which you wouldn't want to do if you're rebuilding. Um, I honestly would be fine with keeping him around to be a culture setter. Yeah. And, like, until he says he wants out, like, keep him around. Yeah. So I, I pretty much agree with that. So some of these deals that we just kind of brainstormed up, um, you'll hear tons thrown around. A lot of these teams we mentioned are teams that other people have thrown on, but it's, they make sense. Now, it's just like, how do you construct the deal to to make it work for both sides is the tougher part. And what is OKC willing to do to get off of Westbrook? Is that attaching a pick? Is that just saying we'll take less of a return and not attaching a pick? Are you looking for young players? Are you looking for salary cap relief? So some of these deals, like they try and mix in a lot of that. And I really like the last one. Um, We'll get to it because um, it's a three-team deal. <laughs> but I try to keep all these. We try to keep all these at, like, two teams. Yeah. Just because, let's face it, three-team deals are hard. They're really hard they, to pull off. They just don't follow through a lot of the time. So a lot of these are Thunder and someone. So we'll go in in alphabetical order by, by team the Thunder would be dealing with here. So we'll start with Chicago. This is one that I really enjoy because um, of the haul OKC would be getting back. But they'd have to give up a first, a future first. Pick whatever year. Just whichever one. Assume you're going to be good in, like, 2026 or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so like, this deal idea is Westbrook and for salary, Patrick Patterson, and a future first, whatever year. For Zach Levine, mm. Laurie Markkinen, Cristiano Felicio, and Denzel Valentine. So... Felicio and Valentine are just dead money, just straight up. Those those guys can't play in the NBA. Um, that's like twelve million dollars. But Markinen and Levine, those are two very real 
players. Now, I think Levine may be a touch overpaid, but he looked a lot better this year than I've talked about, and I've admitted like I was kind of wrong. On, on that contract, I felt much worse about it last summer than I do now. But if you could somehow get Markkanen out of this deal and just talk the Bulls into like, hey, think about what your roster could look like if you put Russell Westbrook on this team. Like, you're, you're in the playoffs in the East. Yeah. I don't know if they actually are, but you can talk them into it. I think, like, Chicago has been so bad for so long. Like, I think the city of Chicago would love Westbrook because they oh, kind of— for sure. I, I mean, like, he embodies that city really well. Um, Feels very Derek Rosey. Yeah. And, like, you know, if you can make a push, like, we saw Detroit kind of, like, have that Blake Griffin miracle season where he pushed that mm-hmm. team into the playoffs. If you could get that team to, like, a six, maybe seven, like, yeah. anything could happen. Like, I, just get there. Just get there and see what happens. And you get at least two home games in the playoffs. Yeah. And maybe you kind of get in that net situation where, like, you just happen, or you you think you're gonna draw a good first round matchup, you know it's something. But like, just I'm thinking of this team. If they gave up what we just talked about, you could start Westbrook and Kobe White, mm. the your your top ten draft pick from this past year. You traded for Otto Porter. You just went and signed Thad Young for some reason <laughs> um, to three for forty one deal, and then you still have Wendell Carter. So it's like you're not giving up on your youth movement. Still, like you still have developmental guys and. One of the appeals of Kobe White was he can play off off ball. Right. So, okay, well, play him off ball. Uh, and also, like, that's a pretty good starting five, actually. Well, like, the thing about it, we talk about it, getting the first star is so hard for a team. It is. And, like, Chicago hasn't been able to do it in free agency. If Westbrook was able to recruit Paul George to Oklahoma City, I love Oklahoma City. It's not the same market as Chicago. No, it's not. Like, like if you think, okay, we can get Westbrook, we're one dude away from competing because it's the mm-hmm. league is just duos now could you not go get another guy and feel good about it like yeah. the next disgrunt, disgruntled guide guys you still have assets to make moves for it's not like you're giving up all your picks in this move either yeah and so that's why i'm just kind of thinking like and you just brought in sadaransky who's a, a nice bench piece you brought in luke Cornette. you have um trying to think who else is on their roster you have Chandler Hutchinson they drafted into the first round the other year you still have Chris Dunn who is like a defensive specialist at the very least still like Antonio Blakeney's a good like guard off the bench like you just need a couple bigs and all of a sudden like this is definitely a playoff team this year and you're right like you can recruit guys there because to be honest like you have an an opening in the front court still because Thad Young can't come off the bench right or you can say Kobe White you're coming off the bench and you're just going to run the second unit which isn't a bad thing for a rookie, or a, by that time it could be a second-year player still. Like that might be more appropriate for their development anyway. So, like, you're right. Like, this team, like, you all of a sudden, the trajectory of the franchise is just a hundred times different than where it is right now, which is a, you're probably still thinking 30 wins yeah. right now at this point, honestly. Because I'm not sure where Levine can really carry you to. I'm not sure like how this market in front court with Wendell Carter is really going to look because they did one they haven't really played enough together anyway because of injuries on both sides but also like just spacing and also defense like I'm just not sure if, if it can work just anyway so it's like this kind of gives a a slight reboot a slight jolt maybe more to this franchise that honestly needs it 
the Bulls, like, they need something more positive because since the Derrick Rose days, I can't really think of much good for the Bulls. I mean, they had the Rondo I mean, time. Like, yeah, they, they had... pushed the Celtics to come oh a little bit. Yeah. I, there hasn't been much. Like, it's been Jimmy Butler, but even then he got super disgruntled yeah. and wanted out, so... I feel like that, that's just left such a bad taste yeah. in their mouth. Like, you can't... You know, the only thing that has a good part of Bulls history, right. at least recently, you know, maybe you look back and you appreciate it more, but, like, this team just, like, needs something, like, that infusion of, of talent and pedigree. Absolutely. So, that's why I think, like, that's, like, a an idea. Now, okay, see, like, again, you're attaching a future first, but if you do one that's more friendly to you, like, it might not matter, you know, that you have yeah. to attach something. And, again, you're attaching it because Levine and Markinen are, like, real young player assets and you're convincing the bulls to take on a bad contract a bad quote-unquote bad contract in westbrook like yeah he's overpaid but you you pay for stars yeah like, straight up you have to pay for stars yeah if you're wanting to make your franchise relevant again don't you think the bulls would sell a ton of westbrook jerseys oh my gosh like i mean i know chicago people go to games like just anyway but like that it's different when it when you have something like a Westbrook to go see rather than Zach Levine. Like it just is different. Yeah, yeah. I I like that deal for both sides. Um, mm-hmm. It makes sense. I think the Bulls will have a hard time giving up on Markinen. Would be the biggest hangup. Probably, you're probably right. But I mean, they've shown the last year like they'll make moves. They'll, yeah. Dad Young, Otto Porter, like they'll they'll go do things. So I'm. I feel like you could talk them into it. You really could. Maybe the pick has to be a little better than future far away, but it it could happen, this one. So the next one is the one that a lot of people talk about. It's the Miami Heat deal. This one, to me, though, it's hard to do in like all actuality because I'm not sure what Miami is willing to give up. I'm not sure what OKC exactly wants back. So it's hard to feel like this can just be done straight up one team and another team. Yeah. Also, Miami's hard-capped. Because of the sign and trade with Jimmy Butler. So, like, money-wise, this is a tough deal to, on all reality, actually do. If it were to go through, what I've kind of come up with, though, is uh, Westbrook and a future first going to Miami for James Johnson, Justice Winslow, and Tyler Harrow. So, you have Johnson still has two years left. So, you're not getting that immediate salary cap relief which okc might be looking for a little more but there's only so much you can do with miami's current guys right because okc can't be taking on too much money right like right like because this tax bill is like what they're trying to shed that's why you just gave up jeremy grant for a first round first round pick but miami has to send out enough because they're hard capped and they're they're close (laughs) right now so this idea like it and this probably honestly isn't even enough realistically heading back to to okc i would actually be fine with this as a fan like if this was announced like right Mm now i'd be fine because i like winslow yeah like him sga and tyler harrow like you kind of feel good about that young core even if it's not the guys you end up moving forward with like you can feel pretty good about where what you're getting back james johnson yeah you're not wild about taking him on but honestly you could probably flip him in the last year of his deal towards oh, the trade yeah. trade deadline. I wonder if the Thunder could give back Miami 
their yeah one of their picks. one of the picks like their protected pick. Now I think that's something else the Thunder would think about is do we want to send Westbrook to a place we're supposed to be getting a pick, pick from yeah. in twenty twenty one because in that pick you end up getting probably isn't as good right. So again that that's something I've heard mentioned like it's a good point too because. Miami didn't intend for Oklahoma City to end up getting that pick, but it's where it's ended up. So <laughs> it's bounced around the league a million and one times. A You're right, but like just uh, the idea of Winslow, Harrow, SGA. If you like Ferguson, you can keep Ferguson around too. Like, yeah, because Winslow can play the four, and so it's like all those guys can actually fit decently well together. So it's like you would feel pretty good about that. And then if you if you want to keep around Adams as a five. Like that's their starting lineup. Like it's it's not gonna be like seventeen wins, but it's not gonna probably make the playoffs. Like might, you're gonna you're gonna trot out a competitive team. Yeah. Like that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna give the fans something to cheer for. Yeah, you're probably somewhere in like where that where Dallas was this past year, where yeah. it's like, are they kind of accidentally pushing for an eight? And then by the end of the year, you're like, okay, no, they ended up at something like thirty five ish wins, but. You're like, you know what? That wasn't a disaster. Right. That team was kind of fun. And you still get a top 10 pick out of it. Yeah. So I think that's probably like realistic. I, I This one is just hard with the money that all yeah. teams have to give and receive on this one without a third team. That's why I do question like, can this deal like in all actuality happen? It, there's so much more than just trade machine. Yeah, um, to actually like think through and go through with these with these guys because like the league can literally say like no Miami you could literally cannot do this deal yeah so there there's more to work through than just these salaries kind of match you know especially and all this is also timing of the deals yeah and Jimmy Butler I think he's officially he's processed uh, yeah through now so that's what hard caps you I found it funny um, side note that. Philly and like their goodbye tweet to Jimmy Butler forgot the L and his name is Jimmy Butter. <laughs> Jimmy Butter. Uh, um, that's amazing. That was good to me. Um, also, I would buy a hundred times over a Westbrook Vice jersey. That'd be cool. It'd be really cool. I would need that um, day one. I would say, and Ross would love it too, getting to play in the Vice oh, jerseys. Oh, absolutely. Get, some, get the pink ones, get just some really cool stuff. Um, another Florida team, though, it might be an option. And this one might actually seem a little more realistic, even if it's not quite as sexy, is dealing with the Orlando Magic. Uh, again, similar idea here. Westbrook and future first, whatever year. For Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, and Mo Bamba. This is, so or Orlando early, we talked about pick a direction. Right. Here's your direction. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. Um, I like this, uh, like, right off the bat. Like, Sam Presti loves his former former lottery picks. Mm -hmm. Nerlens Noel. I, you can go back through Thunder's sign-and-trade yeah. history. Like, Marco Fultz would be up there. Mo Bamba would be right up oh Sam Presti's alley. Long, lanky first position and going to jump out of the gym. Yeah. Can he shoot the ball now? Absolutely not. I don't know. He had a nice um, shot over in the corner in the summer league. I could do a little dribble move. But it's like... In this deal, Orlando says, like, you know what? We signed Vucevic. All right? We, we re-signed Terrence Ross to quite a bit. <laughs> Don't forget about that one. Um, you know, we still have Jonathan Isaac, who we drafted in the top ten. Who we like. Yeah. And showed some development this year. Avon Fournier is still on this team. And now we have Westbrook. That's up in the East. 
That's a wonderful starting five. That's a playoff starting five in the East. Probably, again, lower, but playoff. And you can still kind of fill out a bench around that. You still have Augustine and a few other guys. You can make the bench work. But that starting five so good, you don't worry as much about the bench, especially, again, especially in the East. So that's why Orlando, like, you finally pick a direction and you quit drafting bigs. You get off some of these bigs. You get off a couple of them. <laughs> and then the Markel Fultz experiment, which Orlando's already come out and said, like, we don't know when he's playing. It's like, what do you... <laughs> what do you mean you don't know when he's playing? <laughs> so, again, pawn that off to someone else. Yeah. I, that's my, my life philosophy. Just pawn responsibility <laughs> to other people. So, here you go. And you let OKC figure this out. Because, honestly, though, Fultz and SGA, if you can make that work... Like, that's a good backcourt going forward. It could be really good, especially if Fultz plays to his potential. I like Aaron Gordon, too. Like, he's signed for, what, yeah. another three years? Yeah, three years. He signed four. that extension last summer. Mm -hmm. And if you want to ever get off Steven Adams, you have Mo Bamba now. Yeah. It, maybe Steven Adams can teach Mo Bamba how to use a weight room. Um, <laughs> Set cool. a screen. Yeah. So... You know, it's like Adams could actually teach him a few things, and then you could trade Adams next year yeah. um, as an expiring. So it's like there's actually direction here still for OKC. Young prospects you feel good about, or at least you have the chance to develop. Or Aaron Gordon's on a decent deal, actually. Right. So you feel okay about all that for both sides, and easier to make the money work mm. on this one as compared to the other one. I've seen Gordon and Fournier switched on this deal potential okc though i'm not sure why they would do that because avon forney has a player option next year for 17 million so it's 17 this year and then player option for 17 the year after don't know why avon fournier would turn that down so again kind of the same conversation as back at the top of the podcast so i don't unless okc is just kind of desperate to just get off but i, I don't think they would do that deal if, if that was the case yeah, probably not. I mean, like, if you're looking to shed salary and get under the tax, I don't know why you would take on a guy with a player option who could endanger your cap space yeah. without you really having the ability to shed him. Yeah, and it's like Fournier next to SGA, like, that's a competitive backcourt, but then that stunts Fultz. Right. Whatever potential is still there, if you believe he has some. So that's why I don't like that one as much, and I don't think Thunder, the Thunder would pull the trigger on that deal but you know is orlando willing to part with aaron gordon I guess it feels depends on how good they feel about jonathan isaac to yeah. be honest um but i could see that one another one's been thrown out there a bit is the minnesota timberwolves you know you missed out on d'angelo russell yeah and they're trying to win they are they're, they're not looking to bottom out um i don't think that makes carl anthony towns happy so I'm thinking something like, and you don't have to give him a pick, Westbrook, and then just for salary, DeAndre Burton, four, <laughs> you know it's coming, Andrew Wiggins, and then attach and also Josh Okoji, the um, pick from last year, Kata Bates Jop, um, who is a good second round pick last year, that was a great value pick for Minnesota, and then Travion Graham, who's going to be on like his third team in three weeks. Um, <laughs> from Brooklyn to Golden State to Minnesota at OKC. Um, but I like Trayvon Graham as like a little rotation piece. So the idea of this one, Minnesota, you missed on your point guard. 
you're trying to win now. Russell Westbrook. Fits that perfectly. Yeah, I mean, like, you're essentially swapping Wiggins for Westbrook. Is Wiggins and Westbrook that much different? Can't I mean, shoot, but at least Westbrook gives you assists and rebounds. Yeah. Um, so it's similar spacing um, that you've had to deal with. And, and if you're Minnesota, you have Jeff Teague. You just lost out on Tyus Jones. You decided to let him walk to Memphis. You didn't um, match their offer there. So it's like, point guard's in need, whether it's this year or next year. Point guard's in need. So if one of the... Part of me thinks, like, we talked about how the Westbrook deal, like, might honestly be better next year. To me, Minnesota, if the deal hadn't got done this year, put off till next offseason, like, Minnesota would be an even more real candidate. Because then it's also one less year of Andrew Wiggins. Right. For Oklahoma City, um, whatever that that means or is worth. But for Oklahoma City, you still have the idea of Wiggins, which, when he played in Kansas, he liked, you know, playing in the state of Oklahoma. Um... Oh, but, yeah. I mean, he likes coming to play against Thunder. He seems to yeah. play well against them every single time. So, so you know, put him in the arena permanently. Um, Okoji's a nice, cheap, young player. Bates, same thing. Trayvon Graham, same thing. You're not getting... I feel like you're not getting as much assets back in this one, but this would be like a... We just need to do this deal a little bit. We don't have to give up a pick in this one. And you're right. Andrew Wiggins does well every time he plays here. Let's just see if it's such a thing. And he's not a he's not a guard who's gonna take away SGA's minutes. Right. And he can kind of I mean like it's not as bad of a deal as as uh, Russ is as bad of a contract because he's what, making twenty something million? I think in that twenty five. So opposed to thirty almost forty something at the end of Russ's contract, like you can yeah. at least have cap room to make other deals. Um I don't know. I, I mean, like, there's still potential with Wiggins. He might not ever hit the ceiling that he thought he was going to hit coming into the league. But, I mean, there, a new location might be just what he needs. So yeah. you feel like you just take a risk on him. And Okoji is a nice piece. I like Okoji. Yeah. So, again, kind of gets to that, what does Sam Presti like in players? Bates, Jop, Okoji, Wiggins all fit the mold yeah. of, of what he likes in a player. So, again, talk both sides into this deal i i don't know if it's realistic this year but i can see it next year um if it gets put off to them last one this is my again this is my favorite one um, <laughs> this actually gets the thunder the most back um but i really just like this one because of who's involved because these two are forever linked reggie jackson and, and russell westbrook oh my god so this is okc washington detroit all, all get together on this one. Again, 13 trades, really hard in the NBA. Like, just really don't happen. You saw Portland, Miami, Philly, kind of LA, <laughs> getting on, on something this offseason, but these things just don't really happen that often. Right. Just hard to make it work. And also just money. That's really the reason you get the 13 trades, it's just making the money work. And so this is one, we try to get the money to work. So in this one, OKC... You're taking on a lot of money this year, but it's all off the books, though, after yeah. this season. So this is the right. idea of this one. Oklahoma City, you're going to take on Jan Mahimi. Oh, God. His $15 million, but oh, it's, it's done at the end of this year. Langston Galloway, $7 million, but it's done at the end of this year. Isaiah Whitehead's about $2 million, done at the end of this year. But you get Luke Kennard out of this, who, <laughs> is he an asset, kind of? He's still a young player who can shoot. Yeah. 
Thunder needs someone who can shoot because no one else can. <laughs> and then Kyrie Thomas, who was a second-round pick last year by Detroit. I like him. Um, he very much fits what Sam Presti likes in a player. And this one, the Thunder get two more. First-round picks unprotected. Said one from Detroit and one from Washington. I will be taking those, yes. Thank so, you very much. <laughs> you know, uh, especially that Washington one. Uh, so there's Give that. it to me this year. So uh, You probably couldn't get Washington. Get no, this year, probably but, not. But like 2021, 2022, something like that. Yeah, give um, me three first round picks yeah. in 2021. Something like that. Um, and then Washington in this deal. So you, they're giving up Mahimi in, in this. You would be getting Reggie Jackson. So, to me, like, that one, that's an upgrade. Which, From John Wall, who can't play? Yeah. So, yeah, so you actually get a point guard who can play this year. You've also lost Sadaransky. Yep. Because you let him walk to Chicago for some reason. So, it's like, all right, you get a point guard for this year, and it's literally just this year because he's off the books in a year. So, it, Washington still thinks they can make the playoff somehow. <laughs> this is the guy who can actually help you with that. So you go future first, way out in the future, whatever. No, they probably feel like it's no big deal. I mean, they don't have a GM, so who cares? Um, <laughs> right? So they get Reggie Jackson in this. And then Detroit would get Russell Westbrook and Hamadou Diallo. I said they got to attach Diallo. One, because you're going to need Detroit to give you a pick. But also, like, there's just only so many, like, spots on a roster you can have. And if OKC's taken back five players, you can't just be sending out one guy. Like, right. you literally just can't do it. Um, Diallo, it's minimal money, so it doesn't really mess stuff up. Uh, and it creates a roster spot. In Detroit, again, they, they like wings who can't shoot either. So, there you <laughs> go. Uh, and I think, also, OKC kind of helps clear up this wing depth, super depth problem you have uh, with all that. So, one of those, just like, Washington gets a little bit better. They can do Washington things. Detroit gets Westbrook because, again, you can't get stars there. Right. You just straight up can't. Russ and Blake Griffin's cool. Ru Russ, Blake Griffin, and uh, Andre Drummond? You feel pretty good about that like, in the East. Again, a lot of these are, are – I think they're all from the East, except from Minnesota. All from the East. Again, these are teams looking to get in that 7th or 8th spot. They, these are all teams that want to get in the playoffs but just haven't really been able to break through or at least consistently break through. Westbrook can help you with that. Westbrook got a – a whole bunch of a bag of rocks make the playoffs <laughs> in 2016. So he can take a halfway yeah. competent team. He could take Blake. He could help Blake Griffin, Andre yeah. Drummond make the playoffs. That could be like a six or a fifth seed in the East if so, you're lucky. Yeah, as, as long as it stays relatively healthy, like that's a actually a good team, and I'll, they're not really giving up much. Detroit in this deal. I mean, like you give up Luke Kennard and a for. Future first, yeah. Future first, like you feel good, feel good about that. A second round pick, whatever. Like second round yeah. picks get thrown around all the time. Everything to me in this deal would see be seeing Reggie Jackson and John Wall have to get along in Washington. <laughs> I know John Wall's like yelling at him from the bench. <laughs> Reggie Jackson just gives him the bird in the middle of the game. Like, I would love this because Reggie Jackson is like one of the biggest egos in the NBA, and that's saying something. Yeah, no, right. So like nineteen million, one more year. Reggie Jackson's trying to prove himself. Go to Washington. Like that. This is just where these type of guys like have to go, right? The, the, it would be a perfect fit. Like yeah. absolutely perfect fit. I mean, the same type of point guard, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when Wall gets back, hopefully next year, 
it's seamless. <laughs> like, oh wait, it's so different. Um, Reggie, so, I mean John. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and then OKC and all this, like, yeah, you're really as much as anything, you're buying salary cap relief, and all this because all these guys are coming off the books except Luke Kennard, really, next year, and you feel okay about Kennard as just like a piece, not a not a huge piece, but fits next to SGA, right? Like SGA is like a defender, can handle the ball and knock down some shots. Luke Kennard, he's he's a shooter. Yep. So if you have them as your backcourt, Shay can guard the more difficult two, or guard, and then Luke Kennard can guard the other. And like you, and you're like, okay, it's kind of something to build with, and then you got a couple more picks. You're right, you can probably squeeze a couple more second round picks out of this that OKC is probably gonna lose in the future just because of how some of these protections on some of these picks are that they've sent out. So it's like, you're getting draft compensation, you're getting salary cap relief, and another nice little piece to go along with SGA. Again, that's why it kind of makes sense, but th- there's no way this deal can really get done with just OKC in Detroit. Like, yeah. realistically, like I, I tried, and there's nothing that would make me say, same Presti would take this deal, or Detroit would take this deal. Unless you're straight up flipping Blake Griffin for Russell Westbrook, but neither team, and like it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for either team to do that. I feel like you're, you're trying to pair those guys. Right. And Detroit can't send out Andre Drummond to OKC because then you, what are you doing with Drummond and Adams? There would have to be like a third team involved taking Drummond. But again, it gets into what we were talking about earlier. What teams are taking $25 million centers on without like a lot of reason, like pick value attached to it. That's just kind of where you get into those things. And, and that's why in this deal, like, Drummond stays, and you just shift around other guys. That's right. probably how this is going to have to get done. And it helps OKC also, not only with getting off money this year, but just how much of a tax burden they have to deal with this year, too. Because in this deal, they're taking on about $30 million, but sending out 40 So, again, Thunder might be able to get under the tax. Just yeah. straight up, which to them would be huge. Huge win. If you're just saying tank. So that's why I feel like this is actually a semi-realistic deal. It might not be the assets the Thunder want, but all the money relief you get just can set them up like to go do things in the future. Yeah, I feel like there are, there are always the obvious teams in these deals. I feel like there's going to be a sneaky bidder in this somewhere. Oh yeah, I'm, oh yeah. I would love to see like I know it's kind of crazy, but like Milwaukee kind of just take a risk on it, you know? Why not? It would I, be almost impossible for the money, but like you could get off Eric Bledsoe then. I guess, yeah. Ooh, that'd be tough to make that work, but I I would get the idea. Yeah, I mean, that's just a lot of money locked up. Um, it is, and then you have to pay Giannis. But it would yeah. be fun for uh, for like Milwaukee to s- just absolutely swing for it. Yeah, I'm just trying to like look through some of these teams. Like, if and I, this would probably be like a next off season if Cleveland was just like we want to win, we still have Kevin Love. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that's still a thing. This two point guard thing with Sexton and Garland isn't working out. Newsflash: probably won't. Probably won't. <laughs> but uh, they're there. Dallas is still there. I tried to make Dallas's work, and in Dallas is tough to make it work, honestly. Yeah. Um, to give OKC any sort of like real relief so in any like way. Because Tim Hardaway Jr. has another way. couple yeah. years, and um, I yeah. tried. I mean, like it's, it's hard, hard to, to move Supermax deals. Involved, although you can get like assets yeah. more like in the Bulls trade. 
like Alonzo or or try and steal like Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah. Who at summer league's super fun to watch. Man, he's made some incredible passes. Like Jackson Hayes has gotten a lot of attention on Twitter, but for that dunk, he's made just so many like smart plays and like his passing was incredible. It really I did not see this type of passing this often this much at Virginia Tech and maybe it's just a spacing issue, but man, this dude can pass, like pass, pass. Like, Do you think like they would be okay with getting off Lonzo now? Like if that opportunity were to come up. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. if New York came calling at the trade deadline or like, hey, we want Lonzo for a couple picks. Yeah. I I could see him doing it. Because you feel like a Drew Holiday, Nikhil Alexander Walker backcourt, like that works. Both guys can play on ball, both guys can play off ball. Like that would be a great backcourt um for New Orleans in the next year or two. Um, if you're still trying to like get into the playoffs. Yeah. So that's where I feel really, really good about that. But just making that deal work was was tough. Everyone talks about the Knicks. I don't know how you make the money work. Not um, until December, yeah. at least. And I don't think the Thunder are wanting to go into this year with Westbrook on the roster reportedly, yeah. so and I don't think they would trade him at the trade deadline, honestly. No. I think it's they're it's either this offseason or next offseason. Um <coughs> if they decide to rebuild. Yeah. So that's why I don't think the Knicks one is really going to work out. <coughs> Maybe it works out next year, but de- not this year. It's just not. So they're right. There could be sneaky teams. For some reason I keep hearing San Antonio floated around, but I feel like, again, San Antonio doesn't make these big moves. Yeah. Unless they have to, like in the Kawhi thing. So there, there are some sneaky teams, sure, but, you know, at the same time, don't overlook the obvious. Yeah, you're right. It could just end up being the Miami Heat. Yeah, like Pat Riley could just be hungry for that second star. Who knows? Um, Matt, do you want to say anything before we end this podcast? Summer league, summer league, summer league is fun. Got some fun young guys out there. I don't know why Croatia is all of a sudden involved. I love that they're kind of playing like national, like you know, like under nineteen national teams or like just you know B division national teams. Like yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of cool. China beating the Hornets. Ooh, I mean, like, that's the low point for the Hornets, right? Oh my gosh, like, that's hilarious to me. And their second, I know, like, I'm not a Cody Martin, like, anti-fan. Like, he's fine, but I kind of crapped on the Hornets for taking him early in the second round. And then he got his angles broke <laughs> against China. Um, I, I was just like, that that's what you get, Michael Jordan, for, for drafting Cody Martin that high. Um, but it's just, like, it's fun to watch. Like, it's fun to watch young players either struggle and trying to learn like how to struggle through it like rj um in the knicks or guys like jackson hayes or the the clippers young guys terrence Mann and fiondo kamangele like just like like wow these guys can really play yeah just like all right these guys might be like a rotation piece for a, now for a good team yeah like tomorrow so that's just cool to see i love it Summer League's awesome. Ton of fun. Also a ton of fun uh, content from other NBA podcasts coming mm-hmm. out, too. Um, maybe next year we'll be at Summer League. Who knows, hey. Matt? Uh, <laughs> before uh, we wrap up episode 41, I'll remind, me, r- remind you to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, like I said earlier. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you haven't already, give us a rating and a review, and we greatly, greatly appreciate that. We're going to go on vacation for the next 
week. So we'll probably be a week plus in recording a podcast, a new one. Uh, it's kind of fitting because news is starting to die down. Unless there's another massive Westbrook trade uh, within the next, next week, we might have to do like a emergency phone podcast. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Hopefully it doesn't happen. But now that I said it, it's going <laughs> to happen. So see you guys back on episode 42. Yeah.